oh, it's Salah. Then you'd have a better prediction by saying, hey, I, I told you Salah was going to be a good head coach, and look at it now. And then I'd say, yeah, you know what? Well, through a year and a half, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe Salah can be the guy. I still need to see more myself. But we're clearly on the right path here. Let's go see him beat Bill Belichick in New England when they come back from the bye. You know, it's one of those situations. If you knew Sala was a great coach, you'd feel good about, all right, bye week, they're going to draw some stuff up, go attack, and you know they're going to be tough to beat coming out of the bye week in New England. But I'm not there yet with Robert Sala. I don't know what the... And again, LaFleur has been hit or miss to me. Some good, some bad. I'm not confident in Robert Sala coming out of a bye any differently than I would be coming out of any normal week. Play hard, emotional, sure. Says the right things, confident, accountable, all the above. I think he's got a lot of those traits. I liked the Sala hire at the time. The thing that would that I would question would be the ability to develop the young quarterback, and we're still learning. It is a work in progress. The inexperience from Sala combined with the inexperience from Mike LaFleur, combined with the inexperience for Zach Wilson, I'm not sure that's the way that I would have done it. I don't think that's the best way to develop a young quarterback. However, the Jets have done it that way, and so far in year two, off to a tremendous start. Or not even a start. We're halfway home now. But easy come, easy go. Week to week, as Robert Sala says, there's more of a relief each week than there is enjoyment. Nine games left. Excuse me, eight games left. Right, they've played nine. Eight games left. Nine weeks left, of course. And the Jets are going to have to finish. Don't take bows. You can enjoy this win, of course. Should be celebrating this win. Can't take bows after week nine saying that, oh, I said Saul was going to win the Super Bowl two years ago, and everybody laughed at me. Yeah, well, I mean, he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. It's week nine. 877-337-6666. 877-337-6666. Back to your calls on the other side. And maybe a little baseball hot stove as well as the Jets talk on this Monday morning. Mets right out of the gate getting a big signing done. We could discuss that on the other side. Here's an update with Peter Schwartz. WFAN. WFAN-FM. WFAN-FM HD1. New York. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Brought to you by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Good morning at 3 o'clock. I'm Peter Schwartz. A huge day for the Mets and Jets. Edwin Diaz staying in Flushing. He's the recipient of the most lucrative deal for a reliever in Major League history. Mets have reportedly re-signed their closer to a five-year deal worth $102 million. The deal pending a physical includes a full no-trade clause along with a 60-year option. Now to football, a huge victory for the Jets. They knock off the first-place Bills 2017 at MetLife Stadium. Greg Zerline booting the game-winning 28-yard field goal with 1.43 to go in the fourth quarter. And the Jets improve to 6-3, and they move within a half a game of the Bills in the AFC East. Jets head coach Robert Sala said despite the odds, his team believed they could beat Buffalo. It's a hard-fought game. It's a damn good football team. A well-coached football team over there. Buffalo, obviously, they've got championship aspirations. But um, but I don't think there's a guy in that locker room that didn't think we couldn't win. Jets defense, sack Bills quarterback Josh Allen five times, picked them off twice, sack Wilson through for 154 yards, and a touchdown. Hockey Rangers lose to the Red Wings 3-2 in overtime at the Garden. Sad news, former Devils forward and broadcaster Peter McNabb has passed away at the age of 70. McNabb was diagnosed with cancer last year. And that's what's happening with Sports Flashes. At the top of the hour, I'm Peter Schwartz. Argue about it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Sal Licata back on the fan. 877-337-6666 is the number to call on this Monday morning. So obviously we'll keep it going with the football stuff, with the Jets, we go on in the league in a little bit too. A couple things baseball-wise. I didn't get a chance to react to the nauseating press conference from Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone. I mean, look, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, these guys, 
they basically believe that the Yankees lost because DJ LeMayhew, Andrew Benintendi, Clay Holmes, all these guys were injured. I know Holmes was coming back from injury, so he wasn't full bore. That's what the Yankees made you believe. At least that's what I took from it. There was no reason to believe that there will be any significant change to a team that basically is screaming that they need significant change. And Cashman and Boone are like, oh, no, heck no. We're close. Yeah, 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 we're close. We're close. What do we need to change? No, we're, we're close. Are you really? You think you're close? Oh, maybe it was just me watching that team get swept away from the Astros, thinking to myself, man, this team's not really close at all. Oh, no, they're close because they got to the postseason. And, you know, of course, the process in getting there, the process is so successful, the results may vary, but the process is really what matters. And the process won them the division, fortunately. The process squeaked them by the Guardians. The process led them to get swept by the Astros, the eventual world champs. But the Yankees think they're close. Hey, you know what? Donaldson, it'll be better next year. IKF, who knows with him, bring up some of the young guys, mix them in, bring back Rizzo, bring back Judge, bring back Benatendi. You got LeMayu healthy. Run it back. I mean, the Yankees, it really is sad. It's actually sad how far the Yankees have fallen. To think the powerhouse organization that they used to be and the win at all costs and not accepting losing at all. And now it's just like, hey, well, we got a good process in place. We're in the playoffs every year. What do you want? Get off our backs. Maybe one year we'll break through to the World Series. Maybe not. But we like what we're doing here. And yet we all see them making mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. How Cashman doesn't realize that trading for Josh Donaldson was a horrific move. And a lot of us knew it at the time. But yet the general manager of the Yankees, who was following along with that process, didn't. How Cashman thought it was a good idea to put IKF at shortstop, and before that, Gleyber Torres for two years at shortstop, I mean, that's baffling to me. The guy can't even identify a shortstop on the big league level. Him and his staff can't identify what a big league shortstop should look like. To the point where they're shoving Glaber Torres down our throat and IKF. Until, of course, you know, the end of the year when it gets important. They did that last year with Glaber, admitting their mistake. And they did it again this year with Connor Falefa. No, he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good. Well, hold on. We shouldn't start him in the postseason, should we? We actually try to win these games. Not good enough, I guess. But my goodness, the, the excuse making was at an all-time high for the Yankees. What an embarrassment. I mean, me personally, I would feel embarrassed. They were, it was as if the Yankees, both Cashman and Boone, they were making it like we were the crazy ones. When we say, hey, you guys aren't good enough, you probably need to improve your ball club. And they were like, no, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Our process is good and look at some of the stats. Oh, speaking of stats, the Mets brought Daniel Vogel back back. For like a million and a half bucks, they picked up the option on Vogelback, which, okay, whatever. Insignificant. My question, though, was why? And then I tweet that out, and I get people responding back to me like, oh, why? Look at his OPS, and look at his slash, and look at his this versus righties, and look at his war, and some numbers that I couldn't even give a crap less about. And, and I'm like, guys, really? How about you watch a game? I mean, if you've watched baseball in your life, and I'm 43 and I've watched a lot of it, you know, it was a sport that I grew up playing in Little League, and I have watched it my whole life. I've loved baseball. My number one love. Don't tell my wife. Other than my daughter, baseball, my first love. Or I guess I guess baseball would be my first love because my daughter didn't come first. But anyway, you get the point. I love Major League Baseball, and I've watched a lot of it. And I don't think that you need to watch a lot of baseball to understand this, but Daniel Vogelback, plain and simple here, and I don't know who needs to hear it, but listen up. He's not good at playing baseball. So you could throw all the stats that you want at me. Oh, look at this number and this number and this number. And this is what drives me nuts about these stat 
freaking nerds and people who either don't watch games, don't care to watch games, have their head in their phone while they're watching games, looking up baseball reference and all their numbers. It's not about that. Watch the game. Anybody that's ever watched a baseball game in their life could tell you that Daniel Vogelback is not a good baseball player. So when someone gives me some meaningless numbers, I counter with, can he throw? No, okay, can't throw. Can he field? Okay, can't field. Can he run? Hmm, okay, 0 for 3. Can't throw, can't run, can't field. I believe to play baseball, you know, like actually play the baseball game the right way, you have to run, throw, and field. He can't do any of that. Okay, so there's a DH. Yeah. A DH, does he hit for a high average? No. No, he doesn't do that either. Oh, does he hit? He must then. he's. I mean, he's got to hit with a lot of power, right? If he can't run, and he can't field, and he can't throw, and he doesn't hit for a high average, he's got to hit for uh, big power, right? Well, no. No, he doesn't do that either. Oh. Okay. So then what exactly does he do? And the answer is nothing. And I actually had somebody respond to me on Twitter saying that Daniel Vogelback destroys right-handed pitching. I mean, I'm not sure which game this guy's watching, but I watched Daniel Vogelback since he became a Met. I mean, he does not destroy right-handed pitching. He doesn't destroy anything. What he destroys is the base paths when he's on there. You know, he gets a nice little single or he walks, you know, because he doesn't like swinging the bat a lot. And he destroys the base paths because he can't run. So I'd, I'd prefer everybody's, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just why pick up a guy who can't play baseball for you're wasting a million and a half bucks for a bench player, for a potential trade, all right, whatever. It's insignificant. Daniel Vogelback is insignificant at best. I said that when they made the trade for him, and I say that again. Anyway, on to bigger and better. And the Mets obviously also made a big move yesterday, bringing back their closer. A surprise to nobody, but I think the bigger picture than the Mets bringing Diaz back, and you heard Peter give the numbers, and it was basically exactly what everybody outlined. I don't know if it was John Heyman or Joel Sherman or everybody else, Andy Martino. That basically had the framework of roughly $20 million per year, where he was going to be the highest AAV ever for a closer, and the length of the deal, the five years, which gets it over $100 million, $102 million, I believe it was, for Edwin Diaz. And Diaz had a dominant year. It's remarkable to see where he went or where he came from, from 2019, when he was terrible. The, one of the worst closers I've ever seen with the Mets to arguably the best season that I've seen from a Mets closer this past year. And the Mets really didn't have a choice, and Diaz wanted to be back. They wanted them. This is what good teams do. Lock up guys that they've had within their organization for a while that perform at a high level, and Diaz did that for at least one year. Is there risk involved? Absolutely. Closers, bullpens, fickle, volatile. So you have no idea if Edwin Diaz is going to be what he was last year, again, moving forward. Although it got to a point, and you know me, there was nobody that ripped Edwin Diaz more than I did in this town. And rightfully so, he was horrible. He was horrible in 2019. He was horrible again in 2020. And he wasn't very good in 2021. But he started to get better in 2021. And then last year, he was, of course, dominant in his walk year. Anyway, good for Diaz. He earned the extension. And where there's risk involved, sure, but the Mets needed their closer. And there's risk involved in any bullpen arm. And there just aren't many shutdown, lock-it-down closers in Major League Baseball. And Edwin Diaz was one of them. Eighth inning, ninth inning, eighth and ninth inning. They just got to hope he remains consistent for at least the next couple of years. But the bigger picture where you should be excited if you're a Mets fan is the fact that, and it's just really a reminder because we know that Steve Cohen's the owner now, but it's just a reminder that this team's not messing around. They said they were going to make Diaz a priority. He didn't even get through a day of free agency and they locked him up. Imagine in prior ownership what that process would have looked like. 
Uh, matter of fact, I would venture to say that prior ownership, Diaz would be walking, getting that $100 million somewhere else, and Drew Smith would probably be the closer next year. So it's refreshing to know and comforting to know that if the Mets want a player, they're going to get the player. Or at least they're going to offer the player the most money. If And DeGrom is, you know, of course, the guy that comes to mind when I say that because if they want DeGrom back but DeGrom doesn't want to be here, there's nothing they could do. However, they could offer him the most money, which I believe ultimately the Mets will do. As a matter of fact, they'll do it with any player that they want. That's the point. If they don't want Brandon Nimmo, they're not going to offer him the most money. they don't want DeGrom, they're not going to offer him the most money. Diaz was happy with the offer. Boom. Done. No need to mess around. No need to go test free agency. I think that's a testament to where this Mets organization is at. Uh, let's get back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Whatever it is you want to discuss on this Monday morning. Stuart is calling from Brooklyn. Good morning, Stuart. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Good morning, Sal. Yeah, you, Stevie Cohen. You knew from the get-go that he was going to be the man turn the organization around. And like you said, Diaz not even getting the free agency. That tells you something. That tells me something about my owner who happens to be, he spends his money, but he's giving it to someone that doesn't even have a clue. When you bring a guy in like Joey Gallo, oh my God, that was a nightmare on Elm Street. Freddy Krueger. I don't know. I, I know you've heard of him. But that was yeah, of course. I'm not a big horror street. movie guy. Are you a big yeah. horror movie guy, Stuart? My, uh, you know, you want to hear some st- a strange story? Yeah, you heard of Amityville Horror, right? I have. Yeah, well, that that was supposed to be one scary movie, right? I went I've not into seen the movie. it. I've heard of it. Yeah, well, I went into a movie, and they said, oh, it was so scary. I went into a movie, my friend, I laughed the whole way through. I laughed at that movie <laughs> the whole way through. I, said, I was so, I was like, ah! I was laughing the whole movie. Is there a movie that you think is scary? No. Hmm. They, could, they could throw all that stuff out there, and say, that's not scary. You know what scary is? Having a gun pointed at your head twice. You that's had scary. that happen to you? Yeah. How, in what no. situation? Break it down for me. Explain. I'll break it down. I rent. I leased a cab in 1979 from a guy that had a cab in Staten Island. And I drove the cab, and I brought the cab back, and I said to the guy, I said, you know, this is not going to work because your vehicle that you gave me, I, couldn't make, I can't make money with. So he points a gun at me. I said, all right. So I got out of there. I <laughs> you know what? We'll make this work. Out. On second thought, I think we'll figure out a way to make this work. Right? But... Make what work? Well, you oh, said the, the cab is no good. Yeah, the, the no, cab is yeah, no well, good. The thing is, the cab needs a lot of repairs, and it was right. beyond repair. Right. But a gun to your head, uh, gun to head, you figure it out. Huh? You got to get a new spark well, plug or whatever what. it may be. Uh, so I, went, I got out of there, and I just wanted my $56 deposit back. That's all I wanted. I didn't want nothing else, right? So oh. the next day I go into Manhattan, and I see my friend at the Essex House Hotel named Vinny. And you can only imagine who his connections were. And he said to me, he talked me down from the ledge. He said, nah, 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 we could go over there and take care of business. But he said, go and go to court, get your money. I did. And I thanked him for it. But then I found out later on in 1982 that the guy went to jail for 25 years for uh, copying Sony's big screen TV. Wow. He copied the patent. He went to jail for 25 years. I said, And now what oh, was the um, second time that you had a good point today? Uh, 1996. Ooh, fast I was working at the, as a dispatcher for a guy, and he starts out by, pay, by with my salary, and I complained about it. I said, you know, one week you pay me this, next week you pay me that. So, <clears throat> short story, long story short, I went to the department of labor, and I got my money. And I got, where me, was I the, got my money. When was the gun point today? I never saw the guy again. When no, was that, the gun that, pointed that, at that's, you? That's scary. Movies when are not the, scary. When was the gun pointed at you that second time, though? I missed that. In 96. No, no, but but in what circumstance? You were just complaining about your pay, and he said, oh, yeah, you like oh, this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Some... I, was compl- oh. I said, one week you pay me this, next week you pay me that. So what's that, what's that all about? And he was a and hot-headed he, guy. And he yeah, pulled out the gun that. and said what? Yeah, he did. That was not funny. Movies aren't 
scary. Yeah. That's that's uh, science fiction. That's all. Mm. It's all all made up. I Unless scare easily, Stuart. I don't watch horror movies, but I scare easily, and I can't imagine to think what I would do if somebody somebody pulled a gun on me. Let's hope that that never happens. Oh yeah, the NL East is over. How about this? Gun. Hello. Yeah, you there, Stuart? Yeah, I'm here. But the NL East is over. Yeah, okay. But then you might know what. It's like this. I was impressed yesterday with the Jets. That was impressive. For one thing, I gotta figure out why he they can't go up there and beat uh, Uncle Bill. And, what do you mean? Uh, I can't figure that out. Oh, to beat the Patriots? Yeah, well, yes. that's a problem. And that, Stewart that is, is always a problem. good. To, they gotta figure that out. Once a good to hear they from you. Get as always, Stewart. I feel like there's been an echo, and you could uh, cut the call there. So thank you for the call, Stewart. Uh, was there an echo there, or was that just me? And we're having a difficult time. Yeah. That was his line, correct? I would think Stewart's line there. Uh, anyway, we appreciate it, Stewart, and of course, I always appreciate the stories. Boy, you never know where it's going to go with Stewart. What's next from him? It just—I mean, there's real life stories there. But yeah, the the Jets have to figure out a way to beat New England. That's the—I don't want to say the last hurdle for this team, but it is the next hurdle for this team as far as being taken seriously. Now, this win will put them on the map and open a lot of eyes, and everybody's going to start to say, oh, the Jets, wow, what what a win over the Bills. But they need to be able to back it up in two weeks after the bye and go beat the Patriots because they're better than New England. They have more talent than New England. But yet the Patriots find themselves at 5-4 and and just they're a machine, an incredibly well-coached machine. Not very talented, but just the way that they play the game, the way that the game is coached from them, it's impressive. And they've run circles around the Jets. So that's going to be, I mean, Robert Sala, I'm assuming he's not going to be enjoying any vacation during the bye week. They can maybe have a couple of days off, but they should be drawn up. Who's New England got this week? Let's see. week. Where are we at? So week 10. New England is... Oh, they're off too. Oh, God. Forget it. New England coming off a bye? So you have the Jets and New England both coming off a bye before their Week 11 matchup. You tell me who you think has the advantage. And I was assuming before, I didn't even really look at it until just now, I was assuming before that the Jets would have the advantage. All right, well, at least I was coming off a bye week. And even then, I was like, eh, does it really make a difference, him coming off a bye week, going up against Belichick? But now that I see that the Patriots also have a bye week, oh, boy. Two weeks to prepare? I'm not saying the Jets can't win. I still think they should win. But it's going to be a little bit more difficult. The Pats going to be a rested team. Obviously, you know, Belichick, he, he's not taking any vacations during the bye week. And you know how much he loves beating the Jets. And the Jets are actually good now. You know, this will be the game, of course, that the Jets finally lose on the road. Wins in Cleveland, as crazy as it was, in Pittsburgh in Green Bay, in Denver. They got to get to 5-0 and on the road. <sighs> not lining up. Not lining up in their favor. In my mind, law of averages, number one, and again, in no particular order here, but law of averages, I look at it and say, oh, the Jets, 4-0 on the road, they're due for a loss. Then you look at it where the Patriots have historically owned them, and then you look at it, the Pats coming off of a bye week. Oh, man. Anyway, that is the team that Sala and the Jets have to figure out a way to beat. Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Salakata back on the fan, 877-337-6666. I had 
Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I have these to-do lists, and I usually do it on my iPhone on the notes, and it feels so good to check stuff off the list. Problem is, I just haven't had enough time to get anything off the list in, in recent weeks. But this past weekend, finally had some free time, and it's so nice. And I, I have this issue where a lot of times I see an open weekend, it's like, oh, let's do something. Let's go visit a friend or invite people over, or do this or do that. And then even that becomes work because it's something to do. And then on top of that, it's, oh, the kids' birthday parties and apple picking and Halloween costume party. And it, it's just, it just doesn't end. So I'm learning to schedule less stuff to do on the weekend. And it was nice. My wife and I had a chance to go out um, for lunch. I don't know why I can't remember where the hell we went, but anyway, went out to lunch and then we had the to-do list to go get new phones. And, and you know, if you have an iPhone, it's like, it just doesn't end. It's every basically year, two years, you basically need a phone. And for a long time, since I've had an iPhone, and I want to say it was about 2007 ish since about 2007, 2008, and I don't know, maybe that's when they first started, but I thought it was a little late on the iPhone thing. But once I've been a part of the iPhone family, I, I've pretty much refreshed the new phone every other year, I guess, maybe every two years. You know, the phone starts to slow down, and it's, it's just the constant updates. It's not working right, so it's like, all right, I guess it's time for a new phone, where you get the, hey, you're due for a free upgrade. Well, things have changed. Obviously, you don't get a free upgrade anymore. At least I don't. Um, but this time I went an incredible, I think four years where the last time we upgraded my wife and I, the plan was 2019, they said, or 2018. So maybe somewhere in between the phones came out in 18. So probably between them, we got it 18, 19, 20, 20, you're talking about four or five years with the same phone through the pandemic and all that stuff. But I, I just, we needed to get the new phones and then we do it. And then what happens is, you know, when you go there and not only do they rip you off with the, oh yeah, the, the fee, the service fee for changing everything over to the phone, the transfer, uh, the activation fee. Yeah. Well, obviously I'm buying a phone. What? You don't think I want to activate it? I mean, that's not part of the deal paying for a phone. I need to buy pay for an activation who buys a phone and doesn't activate it. Like I'd rather them just upcharge the phone twenty five bucks than sucker me in and and make me feel like a fool for say well you know the activation fee is going to cost us too well it's a phone of course it needs to be activated what's with the activation fee anyway the activation fee the service fee blah 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 it's just it's out of control with these stupid phones but I figure all right well whatever it's done right new phone shouldn't have to worry about it everything transferred over and then I get the thing home and. Certain contacts are not showing up properly in the phone. And then certain things that, and, and this is really the problem, and this is what I was getting to, certain apps or like things that you signed up for that I don't even know what the passcode is, what the email, what the sign-in, like I've just been doing it automatically for years. Now that doesn't work because it's a new device. It can't sign into certain accounts because it's from a new device. Like, what the hell, man? If I knew it was going to be all these problems, I wouldn't want the stupid phone in the first place. And then guess what? I get to do it all again in another two years. Lucky us. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Martin is calling from Matawan. Good morning, Martin. Good morning, Sal. How are you doing? Uh, not bad, Martin. What's on your mind? Uh, just I was just, just wanted to join the conversation about the... Um, I guess the benefits of, of fandom, um, you know, you play, you, we talk about talk about whether the whether the Jets are on their way to a Super Bowl or, or not. I'm, I'm maybe one of the few listeners that you have that actually remembers and was and was there that afternoon. Wasn't at the game. I was sitting on the couch with my uncle watching the Jet game and just thinking, well, whatever it was, it was the first time. It was the first time that there was a, a Super Bowl without Green Bay. And it was, it was just what, and over the course of years, I mean, I've suffered like most Jet fans suffer. You know, every Sunday you, you listen to the game, you're watching the game, and they disappoint you, and you get upset. And, and but as a as a youngster, as a as a younger person, you're much more active, and you're much more adamant, and you're much more enthusiastic. As I've grown, I found that the benefits of watching the Jet games especially during the, the course of the past nine weeks, 
is just the, the benefit of watching a team come together just in a totally opposite way that you normally see them on a normal Sunday. On a normal Sunday, they get into the game, they might be ahead, and the next thing you, you, you know, you're watching them deteriorate into a loss that makes you throw things at the television. Well, now, I mean, I don't know, but I don't know about that, Martin, because they have just been so bad for so long that they haven't oh, even yeah. been really competitive. I mean, we're talking about a decade of Jets football that really hasn't been competitive. So uh, it, it is right. Yeah, it's totally different now over the years. You want to reference certain years, sure. But I think the point is, and I'll let you finish it in a second, this year is a year that makes it worth it. I remember last year saying, I mean, how did Jet fans do it? Why bother? The team is so horrible. Well, this is why you suffer through all those down years because exactly. the reward of watching a team that was built from scratch with Joe Douglas, watching them have success and give you joy every Sunday, this is the reward. Absolutely. I mean, joy was the word that I had had on the tip of my tongue. Joyful is watching them. You know, and I and I also I also take that back to, you know, the birth the birth of those two teams, the Jets and the Mets, were almost simultaneous. Even even though even though the Jets were a couple of years ahead, you know, they played those first two years as the Titans, first three years as the Titans. But the result was always the same. It was, it was a matter of just how frustrating you could be. But the, the Mets situation over the course of over the course of years, I can recall the first the night of the first the first Mets. Where it was just, it was, I don't want to say love at first sight. I mean, I was a big Yankee fan. But for whatever the reason, because I was a little kid and watching these people who weren't little kids, they were old, old baseball players who couldn't, couldn't actually do all the things that Daniel Volenberg can't do. They couldn't do either. But, but it was just a matter of over the course of the years, I got so, I mean, I was a little, little disappointed. And not, not a lot, but a little disappointed at not getting beyond where we got in the playoffs. But the, the sheer joy, 160 nights of winning most of the games and losing a fair amount, 100, 100, 100 wins is a big deal. Mm-hmm. But just the, the three hours the three hours of being the American pastime or being a pastime for, for personal yeah, escape, it just the, enjoys the, it. The escape watching, and thank you for the call, Martin. Appreciate checking in. The escape of watching sports is what's supposed to be the appeal for sports fans. And a lot of times that escape turns out to be infuriating because the team that you're watching sucks. And it was not the case this year for the Mets. It has not been the case this year for either New York football team. It was not the case the majority of the year for the Yankees. And I know that it was a weird year for the Yanks because they started out incredible, you know, with an incredible pace and all record-breaking pace, and then they fell off for a couple of months. So it was frustrating. And then obviously the end result frustrating. But the larger point, Martin, and you know, I try to remind myself of this, the larger point there is that you have to remember, and I know that Sports talk radio is built on negativity and people calling and complaining and host complaining and blah, 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 blah. I get all that. But you have to understand that. And by the way, it, it should be fun to complain and pick apart these teams. It's gotten to a level where. And it's probably no turning back, but. It almost seems, you know, everybody takes it personally. The players take it personally. The teams and, you know, managers and general managers, they all take it personally. And I guess I could understand it to a certain extent if we're coming on saying, hey, this guy should, you know, they should change this this general manager because he's not getting the job done. It's time for a change. I can understand how somebody would take that personally. But, you know, we're looking at it differently. It's not supposed to be real life for us. This is supposed to be fun. It's sports. It's not life and death. It's sports talk. And the larger point that I'm trying to get to is that it should also not be, and I know the Yankees are different because they set the highest of standards. That's on them. That's their own fault for setting those lofty standards. They say every year, if we don't win a World Series, it's a disappointment. But the reality is, the moments that get you through the summer, you know, you don't win a World Series in April, but you can win a lot of baseball games. 
and it is fun to watch. And there are moments that you go through throughout the course of each season, whatever it may be, that make the journey fun. The story unfolds throughout the course of the regular season, whether it's the Knicks or the Rangers, whoever. You watch the story in the regular season and then come playoff time if you're fortunate enough to have those games, which unfortunately around here have been far and few between. Then it becomes about trying to finish it and have a happy ending to the story. And generally, it's going to be disappointing. Like it was for both the Mets and the Yankees, even after terrific regular seasons with many, many ups. I don't even, there weren't really any downs from the Mets' perspective, other than the last week of the season, the whole thing went up in flames. You got to the end of that that book and pages were missing. Throw that thing in the damn fireplace. But the journey of a sports fan, I mean, if you're not enjoying, and I tried to say this to callers, if you're not enjoying that season from the Mets in the regular season, there's no point to being a sports fan. And you could say the same thing for the Jets right now, Jets or Giants. If you're looking at it from, let's say, a Giants perspective, oh, well, they're 6-2, and two, but I really don't feel like they could go win the division because the Cowboys and Eagles are better. Right? I really don't think the Giants could win the Super Bowl. That's wrong. Same thing with the Jets. If you're looking at it like, oh, they're not as good as the Bills or Miami or New England, they can't win the Super Those are wrong ways to look at it. Right now, enjoy the ride of teams that are successful. Again, Yankees are held to such a higher standard, plus their regular season was a weird one. Yeah, they won 99 games and won the division, and that is certainly something that should be celebrated. Anytime you win a division, I don't care what the sport is, you win a division, that's a huge accomplishment and should be celebrated. But the way the Yankees kind of got there was frustrating at times. Highest of highs and then some lows for a couple of months in July and August before finishing strong and you know knowing you weren't going to the postseason completely healthy, but then really one goal to beat the Astros and get back to a World Series. And obviously that didn't happen, so there's disappointment. But the the, the point is you gotta find the moments. Some of the best seasons that I remember as a fan did not end in championships for the team that I grew up rooting for or was rooting for. Or even Super Bowl birth or World Series birth. Even the Knicks a couple years ago. That was a great ride. Finishing fourth in the Eastern Conference. You know, the first round, extremely disappointing and and frustrating to a point where it made me angry the way that they performed against the Hawks. But it was a great ride watching that season unfold. The Knicks surprising everybody by becoming the fourth seed. Kevin is calling from Stanford. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? Sal, hi. Uh, good morning. It's first time with you. Pleasure to talk to you. Uh, you too, Kevin. Thank you so much. I enjoyed your football commentary, but I asked your screener if I had to say something about baseball. He said, yeah, sure, mm-hmm. go ahead. So, Sal, this is a little early uh, hot stove baseball. Uh, Sal, concerning the playoffs, you know, with the new way we had this year, six teams in each, you know, league, uh, okay, National League, great underdog. We like underdogs. The Phillies won the pennant. Great. Okay, but Sal, on top of FAM, I also listen to other sports t- stations around the country, talk shows, hmm. and I mean, all I hear complaining: the Dodger fans, the Brave fans. No offense against FAM, the Mets fans. Okay, even the hmm. Cardinals. Okay, they all got knocked out. And they're all saying, oh, this system stinks. And I told the screener, I said, you know, if they had won, Sal, like if the Dodgers won the pennant, the Braves won the pennant, no offense, Mets, Mets fans, you guys won the pennant, nobody would say, would say oh, the 16, 16 system stinks. That's my comment. Sal, my question is, how do you feel about this new format this year and do you think it should be changed? I think they need to put see see my thought is it's not about um the result as far as those top teams go. And I think you're right 
Kevin, where if the Mets would have won, the Mets fan base wouldn't have been complaining about the system. Same with the Dodgers or the Braves. For right. me, it's not the issue of the result. Those teams didn't get it done. That's on them. However, my main priority here, and thank you for the call, Kev. We appreciate you checking in. My main priority with the playoff system would be to put an emphasis on the regular season. The the regular season has to mean more than what it showed to mean this playoffs. And maybe it's something as simple as reseeding, where instead of the Phillies going on to play the Braves, they would have had to face the Dodgers. And the Dodgers, Phillies, you know, if the Phillies go beat the Dodgers in a best of five, you know what? They've earned it. And I'm not saying that they didn't earn it against Atlanta because they did, but a division rival, a little bit different in that spot. Plus, the Dodgers earned the right to play the lesser seed in the postseason. And the Phillies were the last team in. They should have had to play L.A. Instead, L.A., they get to face their division rival in the Padres. And I think that led to the... It was a a trickle-down effect. The seeding, the upsets in the first round, and then the seeding afterward led to the multiple upsets. Even the Mets, you know, the Mets should have been a team that, if they wanted to go far in the postseason, they had to win the division. We all knew that going in. So they don't win the division, and they get lined up with the Padres, who, yeah, on paper, right, 89 wins, but the Padres are a dangerous team. In a three-game series, anything could happen. So I guess the point is that if if the Mets in this case are not a good example because they didn't win the division. If you don't win the division, you you don't deserve any benefits. But let's say the Dodgers, who were the best team in baseball all year, they deserved the benefit of not having to play the Padres in that first, you know, in the division round. Now, would it have been different with the Phillies? Who knows? The Phillies were red hot. But how could you look at the way the playoffs played out in the National League and think that the regular season matters as much as you thought maybe going in? It doesn't. The Phillies finished 14 games behind the Mets and Braves. They were third place behind the Mets and the Braves. 14 games, not a few games, 14 games back. By the way, Brian Cashman did say during his meeting of the media the other day that he thought the Yale East was the best division in baseball. I mean, was does he watch baseball or, or no? <laughs> Some of the shortstops that he's had out there, I don't know if he watches baseball. Some of the decisions he's made, I'm not sure he's watching baseball. He must be really obsessed with that computer. Face planted in the computer screen. Analytics, guys, give me the numbers. So much so they didn't realize that the NL East was the best division in baseball? Come on, dude. You get 201 teams in there. Oh, and the Phillies, the team that went to the World Series. And you still think the AL East is the best? Come on. Anyway, we digress. How can you tell me that the regular season means a lot when the Phillies finished 14 games back and still got to the World Series? So next year, let's say in August of next year, the Yankees or Mets are 10 games back of the division, but clearly in a position to get into the postseason, are we going to be saying, oh, yeah, but this team stinks. They're lucky if they get in. Or we're going to be saying, hey, just get in, and anything could happen. Maybe you don't need that much emphasis on winning the division. The Phillies didn't, so if they can make it work, then so what? They went out there, wiped out a division-winning team in the first round, Wiped out a division-winning team in the second round in four games in Atlanta. And then took down the Padres. And the other part of the equation, you know, like I said with this reseeding, where the Phillies caught a break, and the Phillies shouldn't have been in the spot where they catch breaks. They were the last team in. The Phillies went from the last wildcard team in, 14 games back at two teams in their own division, and they went to the World Series. 
and they did so without having to face the top seed. Think about that. Because of the bye, they didn't have to face the top seed. Because in any other situation, the lowest seed would be playing the highest seed. But because of the bye and because of the lack of reseeding, the Phillies were able to go to the World Series without playing the top team. That's why I would look to adjust the format to put more of an emphasis on the regular season. I don't think it's good for the sport to have a team that finished 14 games worse than two teams in their division go to the World Series. It happens, but I just to me it minimizes the importance of a regular season. Let them have it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Sal Akata back on the fan. Should be a busy week. Thursday, 5 p.m. Officially, free agents can sign with any team in Major League Baseball. You know, Edwin Diaz locked up by the Mets. He had that five-day exclusive window to bring back your own. But by Thursday, 5 p.m., anything can happen. And you also have the GM meetings taking place this week. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of rumors. I'm trying to read an article here. That's why I'm somewhat distracted. Read uh, an article and talk to you at the same time. But um, as far as, you know, who the free agents are and what's going to happen with Shohei Otani, we already heard that Otani's not likely to be traded. But either way, the GM meeting should be a big thing this week. And then, of course, the official free agency, like we said, coming at 5 p.m. on Thursday, 877-337-6666. Eric is calling from Ronkonkoma. Good morning, Eric. Hey, Sal, or should we call you Salstradamus with that? Uh, Salstradamus, that's right, Eric. Salstradamus, you heard it here first. Jets were going to beat the Bills, and they did. Now, where's Omar in Brooklyn? Omar, get on the line. I was just going to ask you that. I was just, just going to ask you if you call I can't call here. him. I should get his number. for. The, I, I can't call him. He's got to call me, unfortunately. Let's see if it happens in the next hour. Uh, you, you know, real quick before I get to that, uh, you know, you mentioned the thing with the phones and everything because I'm due to get a new a new one myself with uh, with my family and everything. And, and you're so right as far as all the stuff that they keep on you is ridiculous. I mean, uh, you know, the, an activation I mean, I just, fee. I mean, are you pooping yeah, kidding I mean, me? An activation fee? Come on, dude. Yeah, and and, uh, and and just the other day, my phone just did a regular update, and next thing I know, I got like like two new games appeared out of nowhere on my phone. I'm like, I didn't ask for this. What the heck is this? You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy stuff. But, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely understand that. So, um, you know, first off, congratulations. Yeah, but what's Dusty the way Baker. out of it? Well, what's the way out of it, Eric? Because believe me, there's a part of me that wanted to say, and I've said this over the years, but I, I always succumb to it. I've said this over the years, activation fee. I'm not paying it. I don't need that. Forget it then. You, a part of buying the phone is the activation fee. Figure out a way. Wave it. Yeah, you something. would think, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I would hope yeah, so, but I, but so, but what's the, so what do I got to do here? Just, just cut the cord with the iPhone and stop and go somewhere else and get a, a non-smartphone. I mean, but, but they got us hooked. Like there are things now that it's always, it's always going to be part of it. A new computer every couple of years, a new phone every couple of yeah. years. It's just something every couple of years you got to pay for this. It's ridiculous. Oh, if you trade yeah, in your well, old phones, then you get 400 off. I used to, they used to never trade in my phone. I would get the phone for free. Now, if I don't, now, even if I do trade in the phone, I'm getting only, you know, half of it off. It's, it's, it's absurd. Right. Well, I, I personally don't have an iPhone, but I'll tell you what though, when I do get my new phone, I will ask that question about the activation. I'm curious to find out what they what they uh, how they answer that question. So uh, I'll throw that back at you. But, the guy at the um, end of the meeting, and, and by the way, you, not only that, like you go into the store, you're waiting usually forever. Luckily, we didn't wait forever. But then once we go through the process, and it's like, okay, the transfer of the phone's only going to be uh, like 45 minutes to an hour. I'm like, what? And because we're not. Uh, t- because we had to give in our old phones, we have to leave the the current phones there. Otherwise, we could just do the transfer uh-huh. on our own. So then that's right. an hour. It's like, all right, well, what are we going to do now? Wait an hour. And then I get, like I said, I get the bill at the end of it. I go, okay, so this was for the phone. He goes, no, 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 that wasn't for the phone. I'm like, it wasn't for the phone. You just said 360 bucks. What the hell am I paying for if it's not the phone? We got a couple of cases, a couple of charges. Where are you getting the 360 bucks? Oh, the activation fee, the service fee for the transfer. I'm like, what? What, what the hell? Anyway, good. I'm surprised they don't charge you for just walking in the door, but yeah, really? uh, well, Costco does that. Uh, I mean, there are other stores that yeah. do that too. 
Yeah, yep, yep. I, I understand. Uh, <clears throat> okay, uh, congratulations to Dusty Baker, long overdue. I think you know, I'm glad to see he got one. And they they were all over him. It was great to see them crowding him after they won. So I felt good for him. Um, you know, look, I mean, the, the check game was great to watch. I mean, just you know, I mean, that defense was all over uh, <clears throat> everybody. Pretty much what they had to do. I mean, they. You know, uh, you know, they covered the receivers well. I mean, they were on top of Josh Allen. I mean, they 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 came to not, not that they didn't come to play last week, but you could you could tell that they wanted to make a statement yesterday. Uh, you know, against Buffalo, so that that, that was good to see. Uh, you know, with, with that, it game. was and, almost and like you know, it's an, it's, it's an interesting comparison, Eric. It was almost like, and I don't want to accuse the Jets of this, but. It was almost like they felt going into the New England game, they were the better team, and there was an overconfidence to that. In this case, well, they relish as being the underdogs and said, all right, you're doubting us, we're going to play our best yeah. game. And that's what they did. They went out there, they played buttoned up and tightened up, and, and they yep. had the smash-mouth football well, at times, and the defense was excellent. They played up to their competition as opposed to down to it. I mean, it was almost as if the New England game was their trap game last week. I mean, right? I can't see happening that happened. And yet every year you get the same people saying, oh, there's no way this team could lose that game. There's no way this team could lose that game. Oh, who's going to beat the Bills? The Bills are going to win easily 13 games. They're going to go over their number. Oh, the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. It doesn't work like that. Every year it's proven to go the other way from what people expect to happen. And yet every year people still always pick the favorites all the time. Oh, the knockout pool. Oh, the Bills aren't going to lose to the Jets. If you made it this far, and I'm assuming you haven't, the way that the NFL is, especially nowadays. But the Jets last year to the Bengals, oh, they can't beat them, and then boom, they do. Big upsets happen all the time. And I guess the point of that was the Bills aspect of it, where coming into the year, you could not find a person who didn't pick the Bills to win the Super Bowl. Well, here they are. They've shown plenty of growth in the last several years. Josh Allen, the, the best player in the league. The Bills are ready to win the Super Bowl. They're going to win the Super Bowl. It doesn't work like that. Bleep happens. And it could be something like an injury or, or multiple injuries. As you know, the Bills' defense is banged up. Something happens to Josh Allen. All of a sudden, they say, oh, yeah, before the year where their number was 11.5, the Bills' win total over. How could they not eclipse that? Well, how could they not eclipse that? What do you mean? Have you ever watched sports before? What if Josh, Allen's get, uh, Josh Allen gets hurt? Then what? At, at, by now, I mean, depending on how old you are, you have to expect the unexpected. Which is why we picked the Jets to beat the Bills last week. Where's Omar in Brooklyn at? I want a piece of you. <laughs> 